Welcome to another episode of the PDL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Dr. C has taken some much-needed time off today, so you just get E to rip on the headlines. So let's get right into it, because we've got some good news that we are going to start with. Remember a number of days ago in Atlanta, we had the protests, we had the violence, and an eight-year-old girl, that poor girl was shot and killed? Well, police had a suspect, and they have charged a suspect in the slaying of that eight-year-old Atlanta girl. Now, it'll never mend the heart of that family that lost them, that that heartbreaking video we saw of the father talking about his daughter. Nothing will ever bring her back, but at least we now have a suspect. At least some closure can happen. But police said Wednesday that they issued warrants a day early for a 19-year-old Julian Conley in the slaying of Sekaria Turner. I apologize if I got that name wrong. But think about that. 19 years old, and he killed a girl. He had a gun. It was a Black Lives Matter protest. 19 years old. And now here it said Connolly's attorney, Jackie Patterson, said Connolly was peacefully protesting and witnessed the shooting, but did not open fire himself. The young girl was fatally shot on the 4th of July weekend while riding an SUV with a mother and father near that Wendy's that was burned down from the Rayshard Brooks. Rayshard Brooks. And they do have, in the show notes, I got a photo and a video of the guy that they arrested for the shooting. Now, you know, I know the attorney says that Colony was peacefully protesting uh, and witnessed the shooting, but did not open fire himself. That sentence suggests something, doesn't it? That sentence suggests that he had a firearm. Uh, he said, again, let me read it again. Connolly's attorney, Jackie Peterson, or Patterson, apologize, said Conley was peacefully protesting and witnessed the shooting, but did not open fire himself. Wow. Just wow. So, in reading between lines in that story, you have to do that with news articles so much because they, they don't give you the full story. A lot of times they like to tell you the A story, not the story. So, if you read between the lines, it looks like he had a firearm, but he's not the one to pull the trigger. Now, if the police confiscated a firearm from this kid, because he's a kid, only 19 years old, well, they're going to find out pretty soon if that bullet matches the bullet that tragically killed that beautiful little girl. So, yeah, we'll see how this story plays out. My guess is he's not a patsy. My guess is that, you know, Conley is a suspect. I mean, allegedly, he's the shooter. So my guess is this is going to bear out. So... Uh, kudos to the Atlanta Police Department, who are working under enormous pressure to do their job because they simply do not have the backing of the Atlanta mayor. Now, I want to talk about the Atlanta mayor. There's a lot of stuff going on in Atlanta that just shows you what an ineffective, horrible leader Keisha Lance Bottoms has become. She has taken every opportunity to place blame elsewhere for the violence in her city, a city that I live near, rather than taking action to correct this. Again, kudos on the police department for finding this person who killed that beautiful little girl. But there's so much more going on in Atlanta. Right now, what we have is huge, huge, huge problem with what they call the water boys. Now, if you live in a major metropolitan city, you've probably seen this in your city, I'm sure is not just unique to the Atlanta marketplace, but typically at major intersections in downtown city of Atlanta, you have these black youths 
on the corner selling bottles of water. Now, most of them, I've seen them myself, most of them look like, you know, kids, you know, preteens. Some look as young as like 10, 11, some maybe younger. So they're called the Atlanta Water Boys, and there's several stories lately. And this is like a recent phenomenon, because we've had these Atlanta Water Boys on these corners for a long, long time. So recent stories that have popped up is now it's getting violent. Like here's one from the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, July 16 of 2020. The headline is driver shot during dispute with group selling water in Atlanta, police said. So what the story goes on and what I'm hearing in around the city of Atlanta, and this may be happening in your city too, if you're in a big metropolitan city, is that these water boys, when you use water from them, they're getting violent. It says here, a driver was shot twice Thursday afternoon following a dispute with a group of juveniles selling bottled water, bottled water in Atlanta. The incident occurred around 1.30 p.m. on the exit ramp of Lee Street from the westbound lanes of I-20. So this is south of the city, not a great area. So you've got a picture of the, the police there, the fire department there. So it doesn't go on to say really what the dispute was, but does it matter? I mean, one, if you disagree with them because you're not buying their water, hey, you know, you shouldn't get shot for that. Uh, two, if you tell them, hey, they shouldn't be selling water on the street without a license because there are a lot of Karens out there that do that kind of stuff, you shouldn't get shot from that. It says here that the preliminary investigation indicates, it indicates a dispute occurred between the victim and a group of juvenile males selling water on the exit ramp. And when the vi victim attempted to drive away from the males, one of them discharged a firearm into his vehicle. And the man was struck twice, once in the hand, once in the leg. He declined medical attention at the scene, but later showed up at a gas station on side. Hey, he should have taken medical attention. You just don't know. I once saw somebody get shot in the leg at a concert, walking around, and she died because she bled out because she got shot in that huge artery in your leg. So... Um, at this time, the article goes on to say, it appears a juvenile was selling water at the intersection. When a driver refused to purchase any water, the juvenile flashed a handgun. <sighs> Are you starting to see this yet? There's another one. I got more stories of this. Uh, Atlanta water boys grow violent as police make more arrests. So here's a story from CBS 46, a local affiliate. Uh, as more incidents of violence occur across the city of Atlanta, police are cracking down on youth selling water at busy intersections. You know what? I had a conversation with a group of people, and are we sure it's water they're selling? I'm just saying. There may be something else nefarious going on, right? So these are violent people. They have firearms. So this isn't an isolated incident. So in some incidences, pedestrians and motorists have reported hostile encounters with armed teens looking to make a profit. On two separate occasions, Atlanta police officers have arrested and charged teens. On July 16th, police say a 14-year-old used a concealed weapon to threaten people while selling water in the 3300 block of Peachtree Road. When officers located the team, they discovered a gun in his waistband. Yeah, he's selling water. But you know, a similar incident involving a 15-year-old. A 15-year-old happened the previous day near Peachtree Road and Piedmont Road. These, this is not isolated incidents, ladies and gentlemen. This, these are multiple incidents in and around the city of Atlanta. So if you're living in Atlanta right now and you have to go downtown for whatever reason, here's my recommendation. Don't engage and don't look at them. Don't make eye contact. 
you simply do not know. And do not buy water from them because you honestly don't know what they've done with that water. I'm personally, I would be concerned that that water was tampered, but I'm more concerned that the violence coming from the water boys in Atlanta. Here's another story out of the AJC as well. Cops, two teens threaten people with guns and not find water in Buckhead. So another area, this is not in just one area of the city, where I just gave you these three stories. One is south of the city, one is in the city we call Midtown, and another is north, a little farther north, called Buckhead. Three different areas where we're seeing this happen with the Atlanta water boys. So do you think there's a pattern here? Do you think there's more than just kids randomly selling water, having firearms? No, there's a lot more to this. The deeper issue here is we've got a city that is literally giving criminals a card, a free pass. Criminals in Atlanta know that the police department is overworked, understaffed, and the, police, the, the mayor's office does not support them. This all came from the Rayshard Brooks shooting. When that happened, Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, fired Rayshard Brooks, fired him that day, and, all, and even inferred that he was a murderer. Several police officers have quit since then. We had the blue flu here in Atlanta. Right now, our police in the city of Atlanta, they don't believe that the mayor has their back. So what are they to do? They know if they go into these areas, they know if they go in and, and police them, that the, the community wants them out. They know the city's not going to back them. If something should happen, one of those teams pulls a gun, what, what, what's going to happen? The mayor's going to fire them, and then they're going to get arrested? like what happened to Officer Rawl in the Rayshard Brooks shooting. So how can you blame Atlanta police officers right now for being afraid to do their job because they don't know or if they'll have a job after they take care of an incident or if they're going to get sued or if they're going to get arrested like Officer Rolf did for a justifiable shooting in Rayshard Brooks' case. In Rayshard Brooks' case, he actually grabbed the officer. He struggled with two officers, grabbed a taser, fired at one of the officers and he got arrested for that and charged and indicted for that so think about what the residual effects are going to be in and around the city if that happens in we see this in new york we're seeing this in chicago we're seeing this in seattle where the city leaders simply are not backing the police and the police now are afraid to do anything they're afraid not only for legal ramifications, but they're afraid of what the city not supporting them, that they'll get arrested for doing their job. Hey, I get it. There are bad cops out there, but those are so few and far between. But right now, we are painting a broad brush of all police in the city of Atlanta. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has painted this. She's backed herself in a corner on this. And you know what she does? She's blaming coronavirus on this. She's blaming open carry. It's just absolutely her fault, her poor leadership, that we're having this spike in violence in the city of Atlanta because the criminals know that they, they, they are not supporting the police. And so they have more access to do their crimes because they know the police are going to be farther and fewer. And they know the police, they're not doing it because the police are afraid of you know, they're going to go to jail because they know this. And this is the key to all this. 
criminals, these are criminals, they know that the police are more afraid of getting arrested and going to jail than the actual criminals are. And the criminals know that the police may be more likely to have to happen to if there's just one little thing goes, if the spark of controversy, it's a spark of some type of social justice or civil rights violation. And it doesn't even have to be real, as we see what happened in the Rayshard Brooks case. It's not real. There was no civil rights violation. The man wrestled with two police officers, grabbed one of their stun guns, and fired it at the police officer. And Officer Rolf was indicted and arrested charged. Criminals know this. They know what's happening. But, I mean, you know, they're not always stupid. They watch and they see these things. So Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, what does she do? She's blaming all this violence and other things. Like, she's blaming the violence on open carry. She actually blamed the increase in violence, the violence in Atlanta, because of our open carry laws in the state of Georgia. Now, if you're not familiar with the open carry laws in the state of Georgia, it's very simple. You can carry a firearm, say a sidearm, open carry, as long as it's visible. What you can't do is conceal it. You can't put it in your jacket, you can't hide it in your waistband, you can't hide it in your an ankle holster, unless you have a concealed carry permit. Who gets concealed carry permits? Well, law-abiding citizens get concealed carry permits. Who open carries publicly? Well, law-abiding citizens open carry publicly. And who conceals illegally? Well, those would be criminals. So our open carry laws here in the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia are not the reason that the crime has spiked in the city of Atlanta. It's just simply not. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Uh, we mentioned this before on the podcast. North of Atlanta is a city called Kennesaw, Kennesaw, Georgia. Now, in Kennesaw, Georgia, there's a law in the books that every homeowner, which is a homeowner, must have a working firearm with ammunition. Now, it's a paper law. And the law was written back in 1986 as a protest law to some law, some state, some northeastern third state uh, enacted to control guns or limit gun access. So it's a paper law. But here's the thing. It's, it's been in effect since 1986. There's been a, one murder. There had been a mass shooting at a UPS facility. There was a UPS FedEx. But very little crime. It's one of the lowest crime-rated cities because it is a city in metropolitan Atlanta because the criminals, well, they don't know. They don't know who's got a firearm and who doesn't have a firearm. These kind of laws work. So you go back to open carry. Criminals aren't open carrying their bottoms. That's not what a criminal does. A criminal will tuck it with these kids, these water boys, will tuck it in their waistband. They will conceal the weapon. You know why they conceal the weapon, Mayor Bottoms? They conceal the weapon because they've obtained the weapon illegally. Why does logic not set into a leftist mind? Why are they so illogical? Here's another story, July 7th uh, from CNN. Atlanta mayor says increase in shootings is a perfect, stems from perfect storm of distress. In this article, she did some interviews, actually. I saw one of them on MSNBC. This one, I think, is on uh, Good Morning America, where she actually goes on to state that it's the coronavirus has made people anxious. Listen to this. 
I think it's just the perfect storm of distress in America, Bottom said of Good Morning America. I think that people are obviously anxious and even angry about COVID-19. Loved ones are dying. People are losing their jobs. I think there's a lot of frustration, a lot of angst. So what? Your, your citizens of your city are going to pick up firearms and start shooting people and start killing people? Is that what you're saying there, Bottoms? Because of a level of anxiety and stress and frustration at coronavirus? Because it's cost people their jobs, their livelihood, that they're going to pick up arms and shoot people? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. What I think is that the criminals in your city, Mayor Bottoms, they know you do not have the backing of your police officer. You are not, you are not backing your police officer. Your police officers in your city know you do not back your police department. In fact, I've seen videos where the police have gone into black neighborhoods and there was a white police officer there, and that white police officer was told to leave by the black residents. So criminals know what's going on. Now, I've also seen videos of black residents saying, this is crazy, we like the police. But Mayor Bottoms is sending a wrong signal. And she's backed herself into such a corner, she can't get out of it. She, she's, she's too far in. Because what she would have to do right now is admit, wait for it, that she's wrong. And then she'd have to enact policies that clamp down on all the violence that's happening in not only inner city areas, but other areas around the city. And, and let me tell you, where these water boys were doing their wares, this is not inner city. Midtown is not inner city. Midtown is very upper class. Buckhead is not inner city. Buckhead is very upper class. And they're doing these crimes and acting this way in all parts of metropolitan Atlanta, or at least in, the city, in, in and around the city of Atlanta, because they know, they know the Atlanta mayor is an act. They know the Atlanta mayor will not do anything, and they know the police are afraid. So Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms just also enacted a face mask uh, order where everyone had to wear a face mask, and is now being sued by the, the, by the governor of Georgia. And the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, is suing Atlanta's mayor over the, city, the city's mask mandate. So now you got the left just freaking out. Hey, they love her. They love Mayor Bottoms. Because why? Well, they hate the police. You know, they do believe the police are violent. They do believe that Orange Man bad. So if Orange Man says no mask, they believe you should have a mask. So they, they, they got the full backing of Keisha Lance Bottoms because Keisha Lance Bottoms is considered a VP for Biden. Her city's on fire. And she's a VP pick for Biden? Are you crazy? So here's some tweets from... You know, crazy leftists, right? Jamil Hill. Oh my God, is she a crazy leftist? She just put a tweet out earlier um, of that. Basically, if you're voting for Trump, you're a racist. Enough said. No, BS. You can't just make a blatant, blatant statement like that. We've so bastardized the word racism that a leftist like a Jamil Hill can just blatantly say, if you're voting for President Trump, you're a racist. What a, what a just a horrible thing to say. Here's what she said about uh, Governor Kemp. Better headline. Governor sues for the right to potentially kill his constituents. Really? Really? I've got some coronavirus numbers we're going to go over to. You know, hey, have the um, infections gone up? Have the number of diseases, how many that were recorded gone up? Yeah, yeah, yeah they have. But have the number of deaths gone up? Well, a little bit, but not much. But what's that significant number? I'm going to get into that a little later on in the program. But here's another one. Cheryl, Cheryl in Eiffel. 
here's what she said. This is madness. This governor of Georgia is using the state's resources to sue the majors, the mayor of a city with a population disproportionately vulnerable to a deadly virus. Knowing what the hell that means to stop her from requiring a minimal public safety measure recommended by the CDC. Damn strong mayor. All right, here's the skinny on all this, all right? There's a lot of data on masks. I put a lot of this on TikToks. There's a lot of data on masks. For it, against it, whatever you want, you will find it. You will find this data. If you believe masks prevent the virus, guess what? You're going to find data that supports your thesis. If you believe masks are in effect, sexual to the virus, then guess what? You're going to find data to support your thesis. No matter which side of this you're on, you're going to find data to support both sides. But this is the reason why Kemp is doing this. This has to do with the economy. Because with these mask mandates, it kills local businesses. Local businesses in and around the city of Atlanta are dying. They are shuttering every day. I see new businesses gone or old businesses gone. I see new uh, available lease and space available signs every single day. And what the governor is trying to do is to keep the economic engine going in our state. When you look at the numbers for coronavirus, it makes no sense to do this, to kill your economy. Look, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You know what? More power to you. If you but I tell you what, if you're in a car wearing a mask by yourself, unless it's like one of those quick visits or something, I don't understand what you're doing. All right, if you want to wear a mask in your car and somebody else is in your car and they're not wearing a mask, I don't understand what you're doing. The lack of common sense between people right now is off the charts. Stop being lemons and just following the governor and everything that they say. So the governor is trying to do just that by giving businesses the choice. You know, there are several businesses out there now that are requiring masks. Great, good for them. It's their business. We don't need the government to tell us what to do. We don't need the government to tell me if I'm caught, am I, I am caught not wearing a mask, I'm going to get a fine. It's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. Look, wear a mask if you want to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, be polite. Don't, don't get close to people. Don't sneeze on people. I mean, God sakes, people, stop sneezing on everything. I know a, a, a friend of mine who's in the retail world and said a customer came into her store and was wearing a mask. And the customer took the mask off to sneeze. And she sneezed on the product. And guess what? My friend, she got coronavirus. So what is the mask mandate there? What, what, you know, what, what's there is common sense or lack thereof. That person wearing the mask should have never sneezed over everything. It's crazy. Hey, my friend cleaned up. I really don't know if that's where coronavirus which got the infection, but common sense people as a group, as a people, as a human being, as a species, we can overcome this by acting in everyone and our best interest. We do not need the government to tell us what to do. So that's just, Mayor Bottoms is blaming everybody else but herself. People are getting way emotional on this mask thing. Governor Kemp is doing the right thing to help businesses stay open. Because when I get into these numbers of the coronavirus people, they're not that big. They're not that big at all. And then when you go to certain areas, mm, big, big. So two months after reopen, Georgia economy rests 
and he's still shaky consumer. So we want to mandate a mask. This is an article will be in the show notes from the AJC talking about just this. And we want to mandate masks when businesses are dying, when businesses are going to go under. There's no coming back. Those small businesses, they're the economic engine of our country. And if we put all these kind of restrictions and regulations in place, it's just maddening. It's just maddening. And you have violence all over our major cities in the United States. Here's a story out of Seattle, Five.com. Police, group carrying baseball bats, target businesses, injure officers during Seattle demonstrations. Seattle is another city that have allowed its residents, the criminals of its city, to run amok. Remember Chaz or Chad? Yeah, that had to be shut down after all the violence. People were killed, right? There are more people that have been killed in all these protests and all these riots and all this violence than... Which was one man, and he wasn't a good man. He was a career criminal, had a lot of drugs in his system. More people have been killed than one person, Rayshard Brooke, also not a good man. Hey, listen, like I said at the top of the broadcast, there are bad cops out there. Don't get me wrong. There are cops that make mistakes. Generally, though, they get held accountable. In most cases, not all. I get it. I know people's emotions are going to run high on that one. But in most cases, they are held accountable if they violate policy procedures. In Chicago, tons and tons of shootings and violence in Chicago. Chicago also halts indoor service at bars because of coronavirus, so they're restricting the businesses there. That, in effect, mayor, I mean, that mayor, hey, I'll, I'll give uh, Lance Bottoms one thing. She's better than uh, Mayor Lightfoot over there in Chicago because she brought out, remember the census cowboy I think we've shown on the podcast? So all this violence going on in her city, every weekend it's dozens of people shot. Not just like nine or eight, it's literally dozens, like sometimes 30 that are shot with like eight killed almost every single weekend in the city of Chicago. And this mayor, to help move the census numbers along, brings out the census cowboy. Puts him on a horse, sends him into these areas, unarmed. Yeah, if he doesn't have armed bodyguards, I don't know how he's going to survive. But, uh, you know... Because her city is on fire dangerous, all right? You got the city of New York, same thing happening. Violence like crazy. I put out a couple of weeks ago on the podcast this execution of an individual who's walking with his daughter. You remember that? Walking with the daughter, and a car pulls up. Car backs up, backs goes forward. Now, arm reaches out and literally one shot executes the guy right there, broad daylight, busy intersection, and he had his daughter's hand in his hand. Now listen, the story of the guy who got shot, turns out he may be a gangbanger. I don't know. He may not be a good guy, but he was with his daughter, his six-year-old daughter, and these three animals pull up and shoot him in broad daylight. Well, they've been caught. That's the good news. That's the good part of the story. They've been caught. So they're caught. They've been arrested. They've been charged. So we hope they go to jail for a long, long time. But you know what? It's New York. I just don't know what would happen. I mean, it's New York. It's a city ran by a communist, Mayor de Blasio. Who knows what's going to happen to it? But they've been caught. That's the good news. Now, here's something that just blew my mind away. I do TikTok. I tell everybody, you know, check out my TikTok, the PDL podcast. I TikTok. I did a TikTok on these three. And I showed a picture from the article. 
and the pitcher had red letters plastered across one of the thug's faces that said apprehended. Somebody got offended by that. Somebody got offended that it was showing red letters over a black man's face. And they said, you should know better than showing red letters over a black man's face. I don't know what the hell that means. But these people murdered a man in broad daylight while walking hand in hand with his six-year-old daughter. And they're upset about red letters across that murderer's face? What's wrong with this world? What are we descending into? The social justice warriors are out of control. The social justice Karens have taken it too far. No, I pray for our country. I pray for these cities. I pray for these citizens. Because you have violence in all the major cities. Right now, Atlanta, I've lived in Atlanta a long time. I never thought I'd see Atlanta on the levels of New York City. I never thought I'd see New York City's crime come back to where it was. Now it's, it's horrible. I never thought that I would see Atlanta on parity with Chicago. And Chicago's always been a violent city. I used to live in Seattle, Washington. I never thought I'd see Seattle turning to this kind of mayhem and chaos. But here we are. Here we are. Right after we come on back, after I come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more on this. We'll talk Biden. I have some Corona numbers I want to share with you, and then uh, update to the Giesling story. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the PDL podcast. So let me tell you where you can find us because we are on a lot of platforms. We are on Twitter at the PDL Podcast. You can find Doctor C on Twitter. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. At the PBL Podcast One, that's the number one. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the PBL Podcast, TikTok, my new favorite platform, at the PBL Podcast, and of course Facebook at the PBL Podcast, and if I didn't say it already, Twitter which is one of our favorite places to go at the PBO Podcast. You can also go to our website, uh, thepbopodcast.com. You'll see some show notes there and also some copies of the show. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we appreciate you. But please, please, please give us a five-star rating and share, like, share, and all those social media platforms and help get the message out that is the PBO Podcast so we continue to give you the meaning behind a lot of these headlines. Because one of the things we love to do is not just give you the story, but we like to get behind the story because the headlines are misleading. Headlines, not all the time, but most times headlines are misleading. So hit us up at thepblpodcast.com. And also, to support the show and give you extra content and give you some value, go to Patreon slash thepblpodcast.com and subscribe to one of our some memberships there. And for your money, you're going to get behind-the-scenes stuff, content that you're not going to get on the regular podcast, and you'll also get the video of the podcast. So hit us up on patreon.com slash the PDL podcast 
and select one of the memberships that we have there. Hey, it could be as little as a dollar. And then, of course, there's the $10,000 one where we love you long time. So let's go switch gears and talk about Biden because, hey, last I checked, he's still running for president of the United States under the Democrat ticket. Of course, you don't see too much of that anymore because they're trying to keep Biden as hidden as possible. Man, aren't those debates with him and Trump going to be amazing? But I'm wondering, is it going to be more amazing to watch Biden win out of the debates versus Biden being in the debates? So let's see if he can wiggle out. He's already agreed. When his campaign had agreed to three, it was starting September. So ah, I can't wait. Cannot wait. So first headline out of Biden. They fired up, ready to go. DNC Milwaukee convention continues to shrink. Latest prediction of only 350 attendees. So that's the headline, the subheadline. The DNC Milwaukee Convention continues to shrink. The latest prediction suggests possibly only 350 participants will attend the presidential convention in Milwaukee this year. Honestly, I'm surprised that happened. I would have, I would have bet they canceled it. So they've already scaled back significantly on it. But I, I'm really surprised we even have this convention. Now, latest news also on the convention is that John Kasich, former governor of Ohio, is going to present or speak for Biden. He's going to get up there and do a speech for Biden. Now, the article that I read, and I don't have it pulled in front of me, was suggesting that maybe Kasich was going to speak for Biden. No, I can't believe that. You can't believe that, can you? I mean, we all have seen Biden give speeches lately, but, you know, they say prepared. He's going to have a script. He'll have a teleprompter. All he's going to do is just read. But we've seen Biden do that, too. But Kasich, former Ohio governor, also a Republican, is coming. Now, the article I read didn't say that Kasich is going to endorse Biden, but if he's speaking at Biden's convention, pretty much that means uh, endorsement. Now, the question is, what kind of juice does Kasich have? Uh, Kasich has been an ardent anti-Trumper. He has been against the president from the beginning. But really, what kind of juice does Kasich have anymore? I, I, I argue he has none. Now, I, back in George W. Bush days, I believe it was um, uh, George W., that Zell Miller, who uh, at the time, I can't remember the time, he was actually the sitting governor of Georgia, or he was a former governor of Georgia, but he was one of the last of the Blue Dog Democrats. He gave a speech at a Republican convention. Now, he endorsed the Republican president at the time, and I'm pretty sure it was George W. Bush, so memory slips me a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it was George W. Bush, and you know, it was a big deal, and it was a big deal because Zell Miller had a lot of juice. Zell Miller was highly regarded. Zell Miller was highly respected blue dog Democrat. Well, there are no more blue dog Democrats. They've all been put out the pasture, but Casey, well, he's known as a rhino. He's not even known as a Republican anymore. He has no juice or respect within conservative circles, at least. He has respect within rhino circles, and the man sure likes to talk about himself. I don't know about you, but if you remember all the stories about, you know, son of a postman, all right, you know, John, we don't care. You lost, buddy. Move on. Go endorse Biden all you want. Personally, I don't think it's going to help. But just some news we've got with Biden. So it'll be curious to see if, one, Biden actually does speak at his own convention, yeah, we can safely assume, and you know what happens when you assume, uh, he will. But, you know, it's gonna, well, right now you've got an attendance issue already. Yeah, they'll fill it. They always do. But already you've got this buzz. It doesn't look good for the Biden team. It doesn't look good for the Democrats. 
Have you seen anything from the DNC? Tom Perez, the chair of the DNC? Have you seen anything from him lately? I haven't. You know, Biden keeps making gaff after gaff after gaff. You know, he just recently, there was another one where uh, he went and borrowed a slogan from President Trump about making, not making America great, but bringing America back. You know, he, Biden's known for his plagiarism, but then he goes on to talk about all of the taxes he's going to raise. He's going to raise the corporate tax from 21% back to 28%. And there's all these other taxes he's going to raise and regulations that he's going to do. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that uh, that form of invitation and flattery is anything that's going to help him. He's, he's trying to tag on to the Made in America slogan in a recent speech in Pennsylvania. Uh, he uh, demonstrates better than any poll is how effective and popular Trump's America First is because now Biden's tagging on to Made in America. But what Biden goes on to do, talk about all the regulations and all the taxes that he's going to increase or enact once he's president and end a lot of the regulations that what Trump has done. Now, if you follow anything about where Trump's true success is, it's in this paragraph in this article. And this article is from Real Clear Politics, where it talks about Biden basically stealing Trump's Made in America tagline that, uh, you know, he <clears throat> not really playing to a lot of people. But here's the paragraph that caught my eye. All that changed with Trump's election, talking about economic growth and anemic um, economic growth. Uh, the longest recoveries, economic recoveries since World War II under Obama. This is where that paragraph leads from. All that changed with Trump's election. He emphasized smart deregulation, lower taxes, and generally free and fair trade policies that benefit U.S. workers and businesses alike. Last December, the White House reported that for every new regulation issued during President Trump's time in office, his administration has eliminated an average of 8.5, vastly exceeding the two-to-one ratio he had set as an initial goal. So what Trump's true success as a president has been is deregulating bureaucracy, saving businesses billions and billions and billions of dollars. So that's how people vote, by the way. We vote our pocketbooks. We always have, as Americans, and we always will. Yeah, Biden's going to raise taxes. He's going to regulate some more. And we'll be right where we were prior to Trump. Now, hey, you know, the left goes on and on and on and on about the Trump economy right now. But we know. You know. You're a smart audience. You know that the coronavirus caused this. And you also know that Trump didn't cause the coronavirus. You also know, because you're a smart audience, this came from China. And you also know that the WHO, World Health Organization, tried to protect China by minimizing it and even outright lying about the numbers. But here's the thing. How, how bad are the numbers of coronavirus? How, how bad is this? Well, yeah, deaths are bad, but we have, this is what we've had in America. We've had 3,700,061,362 cases. Now, this information uh, is a little, you know, dated because it's going to change every day. And we've had, you know, about 150, 140,000 deaths. So put this in perspective, ladies and gentlemen. Put this in perspective of well, the population of the United States is over 325 million people. So we're like, we're, we're like 1.4% of infections, right? 
It's like 0.00004% death. If you look at it from that macro perspective, these numbers, do they warrant the economic destruction of a country? Governor Kemp in Georgia, as mentioned earlier, is trying to protect businesses. Does it warrant shutting everything down for less than 1% death rate on 325 million plus citizens? Now, every death is tragic. Every death is bad. I, I, my heart breaks for families that go through this. But does this warrant all this? You know, we, they laud New York right now. New York, Governor Cuomo is getting all kind of praise because his numbers have dropped significantly. Of course they've dropped significantly. 434,633 of the overall cases of infection are out of New York. 32,582 of the overall deaths, and this is dated July 20th, are out of New York. And, and if you were paying attention, you saw those stories how Governor Cuomo put sick people who had COVID in nursing homes and people died. And he's blaming, he blames that on people visiting. He doesn't blame it on people putting COVID patients in nursing homes. When we knew at the onset of this, that the elderly were more susceptible to this, that the elderly were more at risk, and especially in a nursing home. Now, the same thing happened in New Jersey. They did the same thing. So let's look at the numbers. Let's look at populations per death. So in America, our, our overall numbers are pretty low considering, right? And, and you look at what happened in New York. I mean, we're at 0.00004% roughly death rate. You look at what New York is at, Per, per million people, per million people in New York, you've got a death rate of 1,688. So for every 1 million people in the city of, or in the state of New York, 1,668 deaths from coronavirus. Now the only higher state in the union is New Jersey at 1,760. But as I said earlier, the state of New Jersey put people in nursing homes as well. Now, overall, for the United States, it's for every million people, 10,512 cases, not deaths. Remember that distinction. So for every 1 million in population in the United States, over 325 million, 10,512 cases. For deaths, 418. 400 and 18 deaths per million in the United States. Remember New York? 1,668. Yet Governor Cuomo somehow gets praise for his leadership in the coronavirus? Brazil, 343 deaths per million, lower in the United States. India, 17, one of the largest populations in the world. What did they do, right? Russia, 5,000, I'm sorry, 80. Uh, Peru, 365, um, Chile, 367, let's see, Mexico, 275, Spain, 608, the UK, 660, let's see, other countries higher than ours, Italy, 578, we are 418 deaths per million, all tragic, France was 460. 
All these deaths are tragic. Could they have been prevented? Yeah, if the Chinese didn't let this out. That, ladies and gentlemen, is at the core of all of this. All of this came out of China. So we are dealing with a pandemic, or is it a scandemic? I'm not quite sure at this point in time, based on a virus released from, from China. I'm never going to forget that. And I hope you don't either, because this has huge and wide implications in how we deal with China. And it should be for every other country in the world. Our ire should be on China, but it's not, not here in the United States. Here in the United States, it's orange man bad. So what happens? Well, we have this contentious election. Now, once the election's over, my prediction, all this goes away. Everything opens up and no more do we talk about it, regardless of who wins. But that's my prediction, I could be wrong. But I do believe that there is, there is a threat with the virus. I don't want to catch it. You don't want to catch it. We don't want our family to catch it. You don't want your family to catch it. But through common sense, you can minimize the risk. That common sense is, hey, wash your hands, right? I'm washing my hands now more than I ever have in my whole life. You know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, just Stay, stay, keep a distance. Don't sneeze on people. Don't sneeze on things. And if somebody does around you, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. There's a way that we can process this and proceed with this through common sense behavior. We don't have to shut down our economy. We did not have to shut down our economy. In my opinion, hey, chastise me all you want. You can email me at the podcast at gmail.com and tell me you're on way off base. Tell me how stupid I am in this. I don't mind. I'd rather you give me some data, too, to back it up. But again, I can give you some data to back up what I'm saying. That's the nature of this piece. So what we all need to do is just enact some common sense. Now, there's some studies that have been done on the air quality coming through a mask, too, because we are lowering the, uh, the oxygen levels we're bringing into our brain. Who knows what that uh, Those are the implications to be. Yeah. Well, we know, after a while, we'll all start voting Democrat. Maybe that's why they want us to be wearing these masks. All right, let's switch gears to uh, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Is it Ghislaine, 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 however it's pronounced. She is in prison, and she fears for her life, as well she should be. But here's what she has said. She believes that her ex-lover, Jeff Epstein, was murdered behind bars, and she lives in fear of facing the same unfortunate end according to a new report. You know what? I agree with her. I fear for her safety as well. In fact, I'll put it right out there. I don't believe Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. I believe he was taken out. And here's why. Just today, an article has come out. Now, this is from uh, um, <clears throat> the Telegraph. It's a New York paper, because I find to get a lot of great information from the UK. Son and husband of New Jersey judge assigned case relating to Jeffrey Epstein shot at home by gunman. The gunman. No gunman. Sorry about that. So, guy comes to the door, dressed in a FedEx outfit, knocks on the door, rings the bell. Husband answers. He opens fire. Shoots the husband. Son hears the commotion, comes running. Gunman opens fire on the son. Son eventually dies. Husband's in the hospital at this recording uh, in critical shape. 
the wife, who is the judge, by the way, she uh, is the first Hispanic woman to serve as a federal district judge in New Jersey. Not that really matters, in my opinion, but it's in the story. She was in the basement of their North Brunswick home at the time it was not injured. Now, the FBI is investigated, and they believe they found the suspect in his car with a self-inflicted gunshot. Now, we do some conspiracy shows here on PBO Podcast. Generally do them on Monday. Didn't get to one this last Monday. But come on. Come on, people. Guy was dressed in a FedEx outfit. Went up there, killed him. We know no motive yet. I'm sure something's going to come out because something always comes out. And then he's found shot to death, self-inflicted gunshot wound. And in fact, he had a UP or a FedEx package with him in the car. We don't know if it was labeled to the judge's house, but think about this scenario. Guy gets, he's in a FedEx outfit, FedEx uniform. We don't know where he got it. We don't know if he's a FedEx employee. All we know is he had a FedEx uniform on. That's what the stories are saying. Knocks on the door, husband answers, shoots him on the spot. Son runs in. Shoots here. We don't know what happened in between there. The judge, she was in the basement. I'm sure, she heard the commotion, but she's safe, fortunately. But this is a Jeffrey Epstein case. Now, if you read the article, they don't get to really what it is for the Jeffrey Epstein case until the end of the article. And what this was is she was trying a case from um, investors of Deutsche Bank who are su suing, and I may be saying that wrong, Deutsche Bank for their dealings with Epstein. So what would have come out of trial? What were people afraid of? You know, do you believe it was a hit? Do you believe it was uh, anything not related to the Epstein case? Gisley Maxwell has reason to fear for her life. This is crazy. Jeffrey Epstein, it, the circumstances of how he died in prison are astronomical. The, the odds of all the things going wrong that went wrong are astronomical. But here we are. He's dead. She's in prison. The judge is going to try a case pertaining to Epstein. Family just got, son just got murdered, murdered, executed. Husband's in critical condition. Was she the target or was this just an attempt to scare her? What happens now? What happens when Maxwell's case goes to court? She's got a year, a year. She won't go to court for a year. 2021 is when that's going to trial. So she's got to be protected for a year in prison. And we see how that worked out for Epstein. Well, the question is why? What's, what's going on? Epstein was a bad guy. Epstein allegedly had to have uh, an orgasm three times a day with three different women. And Maxwell was the one who got those girls going. And allegedly, we've got all kinds of rich and powerful socialite politicians that were on his plane that went to his island. And it's known, as you guys are aware, pedophile island. Now, Epstein was said to be a billionaire, but we don't know how he was a billionaire. From what we know, he had one client, the founder of, uh, I think, Limited Storage. That's, we have one client. So how did he make his money? There's no... There's no stories out there that really tell us how Epstein made all this money. But here he was with all these famous celebrities, politicians, socialites. I've seen the underbelly of a little part of that world. Let me tell you, it's ugly. 
It's ugly what happens out there. If you look at the Epstein case as a whole, it could possibly expose that ugly belly of that class. And that class, what I mean by that class are these politicians, these celebrities, these socialites. These are people who have everything. They don't have wants like you and I have wants. You know, I want to have enough money to pay my mortgage. I want to have money where I can buy my child birthday gifts. They don't have those wants. They have everything they want. You know, we talked on this podcast about the Tom Hanks scandal. We were thinking, how could Tom Hanks possibly do anything like what's suggested? Now we'll get into what's suggested. But is it, could it be that people in this world have everything at their fingertips? I mean, everything they could ever want. They have no financial wants or hurts. They can just buy anything they want. They can go anywhere they want because they have the means to do it. And it's not satisfying enough for them. So they go into these other avenues. Was that what Epstein was feeding? Was that how he made his money? Was that how he was able to have so much, to, so much money to travel, to buy whatever he wanted, properties, people? Is that what this threatens to expose? I fear it does. And I also fear that it won't be. I also fear she will die in prison. Something will happen. Or I fear she may be so scared for her life she will not expose the ugly, evil world that she traveled in. Heavy topic, but um, very sad for that family. My heart breaks for that judge. Her son is now dead. Her husband is in intensive care or um, critical care, critical condition of the hospital. And now the message that sends to whatever other cases out there that involves this person. It's hard to believe at this point in time that that was just a random act or any other act. The person was actually in a FedEx outfit. It's hard to believe there was anything but either an attempted execution or an execution. Heavy note, listen, um, follow us on um, all of our platforms at the PBL Podcast. Please, uh, if you're on iTunes listening to this, uh, give us a five-star rating. It helps the show tremendously like share on any other platform you are on uh, if you want to correspond with us you can go over to our website at pdlpodcast.com uh, again the pdlpodcast.com you can email us at pdlpodcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at pdlpodcast follow us follow us on tiktok i have a lot of fun over at tiktok at the pdlpodcast and please go over to patreon.com slash the pdlpodcast uh Buy a subscription. You will not regret it. You will get your money's worth. Again, anything from a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, and of course, the love you long time package, ten thousand dollars if you're so willing. We are as well. So, thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast. We miss you, Doctor C. Hope you're getting a lot of rest, and we'll talk to you and everyone else soon. Bye bye, everybody.